Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz on the phone line with me. We're going to talk Big Ten Media Days. We're going to do five takeaways here. I'll have an article. I'm one of the 600,000 Michiganders without power right now, so it's it's tough to time everything right for when I'm in in studio or whatever. But I'll have something in as soon as I can, 10 takeaways from Big Ten Media Days. Uh, that'll get a little bit more specific, maybe more focused or micro takeaways, you know, specific player, specific quote. Uh, these, we're going to try to keep them five macro takeaways. Uh, it might not be perfect. We'll, we'll throw some other thoughts that we have in the meantime. But first one, and Steve and I were just talking about this before the show, uh, because, well, this is this is the big talking point is odd as it was, you know, the the 15 minute podium session that he, that Jim Harbaugh had the hour long um, uh, press conference that he had. Well, it's 50 minutes. The players talking. We heard from Ben Bredesen, Jordan Glasgow, Klee Hudson. But the two biggest things, the two biggest things talking talked about from the entire Big Ten media days, all 14 teams were Jim Harbaugh going on. Tim Kawakami's podcast saying that controversy has fo- followed Urban Meyer everywhere he's gone. And then him going on ES, uh, Sirius XM radio segment with John Jansen and AJ Hawk and saying that players can forge or fabricate uh, depression related issues in order to get a waiver. And so, Steve, I mean, you and I are in agreement. I don't know that there was an in, inaccurate thing that he said. You know, there was nothing that he said that was necessarily false. But, and maybe we disagree just a little bit here. I, I got no issue with the Urban Meyer comment. I mean, maybe... I, if, imagine, that, imagine that being controversial. Yeah. Imagine him <laughs> saying that controversy following Urban Meyer is a controversial comment. I mean, come no, on. That's a, that's a puzzler. I mean, technically... You know what was Urban Meyer's controversy at Utah and Bowling Green, but yeah, he had 31 players player arrests during his time at Florida. He literally resigned from Ohio State largely due to a controversy that saw him suspended for three games in his last season. I I think I think the controversy, and this is similar to maybe James Hudson, is he didn't need to say it. And he has a platform in which he is going to be held to a different standard. So that's our first takeaway. What Harbaugh says is still going to be blown out of proportion. That has not changed um, because because yeah, he wasn't wrong in in his statement wasn't wrong either time. But as the Michigan head coach, does he need to add that little quib or quip about Urban Meyer and controversy following him and? And then perhaps a little bit more serious, because, again, I, I have really no issue with what he said about Urban Meyer. But the when he talked about James Hudson, or he did not mention James Hudson, but he referred to players possibly fabricating depression and mental health um, causes for a transfer. You know, he, he could have I think he could have been a little bit more vague because, as, as we'll discuss, he was actually he hit a home run with his transfer pitch. He talked about. Players should be able to transfer one time. I don't know if everyone agrees with that, but I think that's something most college football fans and probably most players would say, yeah, that's fine. And then he said there's too many lawyers involved. I mean, he's preaching to the choir there, and he says that uh, you know it's 
everyone has to come up with all these reasons. Yeah, he's he's correct. It to me the the only sticking point with it because it got blown out of proportion too, but the only sticking point is when he when he went out of his way to use a specific example of mental health as as an opportunity for players to um, manufacture reasons to get to get a waiver. And he's right; it certainly can happen. But the only player that I know of, and maybe I'm wrong here, but the only player I've heard of that that has used this as a pursuit of a immediate eligibility waiver is James Hudson. And I don't think it's right for for Jim Harbaugh to imply that Hudson is fabricating it or manufacturing it. And so, um, you know, because it's his story. And I think, I mean, if Kirby Smart came out and he said that he felt players were fabricating racial discrimination to become immediately eligible, that'd be a bad look too. Uh, you know, so it's it's kind of a you know I, I it, it got blown out of proportion. I don't think it's irrelevant. I don't think it was I don't think it was a good look. Maybe that's how I would describe it. Just not a good look. And with, when it comes to Michigan and Harbaugh, whenever something happens that isn't a good look, a lot of people really pounce on it. Uh, we don't need to talk too much about Hudson and because because Harbaugh ironically was actually making a really good case for Hudson to be eligible <laughs> and but we don't need to talk too much about the Hudson situation but as far as things being blown out of proportion uh it's just I mean it's been that way since Harbaugh got to Ann Arbor and you know I think I think do you Steve I mean I guess first off your your overall thoughts but I'm curious the negative recruiting, I I could see this being ammo. If you're Ohio State or Penn State or Notre Dame or or another school that's recruiting toe-to-toe against Michigan, I mean, you can say, hey, look, Harbaugh, if you transfer, Harbaugh thinks or might imply that you're making it up or you're making up your reason why. It's, it's kind of weak, and I think most people would see through it, but uh, right. uh, it's more of a storm than Harbaugh wanted it to be, that's for sure. But I guess then Michigan's response would be we're one of the few programs that thinks that people, uh, kids should be able to transfer without question though, you know, and that's where the kind of catch 22 comes in. It's like, uh, you know, his, he may specifically refer to a certain condition or whatever that, uh, may be fabricated in order to be granted immediate eligibility, but he's also one of the only and definitely the most high profile coach I can think of who has come out uh, so far in favor, so uh, uh, fervently in favor of yeah. a prospect being able to, or a, a player being able to transfer without penalty, or at least for a one-time transfer without penalty. I would think the positive, I think there was somebody, I don't know if it was somebody important, I think it was like a radio show host, I did a little bit of snooping around on Twitter uh, when I got home yesterday, and uh <laughs> Uh, so a pro- there was a radio show host in Texas or somewhere that said that recruits had already like reacted really positively to the tweet that Harbaugh made speaking about the HIPAA and purpose stuff about how it should just recruits be a had. hassle. Yeah, it should be a hassle-free transfer. I don't find, I, if somebody posted on our board again. I don't know if it's prominent or not, but mm-hmm. I mean that, that's what I believe. I I agree with that though. Uh, I think that would resonate more with recruits than an attempt 
to negatively recruit Michigan, you know, based on. Well, and that's that's what it is now is, you know, because someone on our on our radio show this morning said, uh, you know, follow Don Canham's advice. Don't turn a don't make a two day story out of a one day story and kind of like yeah. ignore it. I don't think you can. I think ignoring it might be a bad look, but but Michigan can because, you know, Don Canham never had to deal with Twitter moments or trending Twitter hashtags. But it's uh, if Mich- Michigan can come out winning this because, one, they do actually have really great resources for mental health for student athletes. You know, they have uh, I, I can't say I've studied all the schools, but I've looked around and Michigan seems to be at the forefront. I don't know. I'm not going to rank them, but it's. I think that they can come out saying, hey, look at all this stuff that we have. You know, it was, uh, it was unfortunate that people misconstrued the statement. Or maybe it was unfortunate that Harbaugh went so specific. But here's all this stuff that works really well. And then also, as, as you kind of noted, Harbaugh can keep pushing his narrative about the transfer. And that's going to – you don't get to eliminate negative recruiting, but you can have your positives outweigh your negative recruiting because everybody's going to do it and everybody's going to try. Uh, but if your positives outweigh their negatives – then you can come out on top. I feel like I don't know. I haven't right. I haven't studied what recruits react to and things uh, like that. It was actually one of our Oklahoma writers is the one that tweeted this out hmm. and, and said uh, R.J. Young, who I've never spoken to, uh, but he is a staff writer for our Oklahoma affiliate, who said that uh, Jim Harbaugh's recruiting is about to blow up off of this note. Watch what I tell you. He said the kids are already telling me about this tweet, and it was Harbaugh's tweet about the one-time transfer. Uh, and advocating for rights that college football players have not had, which is completely 100% true, mm-hmm. and putting the decision in the hands of the athlete and their family and not and for keeping lawyers and keeping the lawyers out of it and protecting them from having to disclose information publicly to, you know, get their, uh, you know, to maybe be eligible immediately. So, yeah, no, same old, same old. Media is going to do media stuff. I know we're part of that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I wrote a story. But. Right. You know, it's like, I get that we're part of it. Um, I, I just think it's the, the takeaway should have been that Harbaugh is advocated is comes out in favor of players being able to transfer, you know, a one-time transfer without question. Uh, but unfortunately for him and, and for the program, that wasn't the case. I, I just, uh, it's just comical to me that with some of the other issues that seem to uh, pop up across the country at various programs every off season, that this is one where I just, I don't know. I feel like this is a nothing burger compared to a lot of the stuff. And it, to me, it's always about, it's, yeah. the, it's how the national, it's not so much, you know, if you're somebody and you're on social media, like who cares what a rival, even writer, let alone fan, says. Like, like you said, if a, if this had, if if a different coach, if this had been a coach from a different program that had maybe said anything along these lines, uh, you know, Michigan fans would re- react negatively to that coach. It's just that's the way that it goes. Like that's how it's going to be, no matter what. He could have said, kids should be able to transfer whenever they want, wherever they want, and rival fans and whoever would react, you know, negatively towards it. Uh, to me, it's more about like the national looks 
as far as our as far as that goes. There's just so many inaccuracies, uh, so many. It was like I feel like Harbaugh's done a lot on the student athlete side, on the student side of the student athlete spectrum. As like I saw this morning with uh, John Bacon had tweeted out a long discussion about how serious Michigan does take the mental health issue. Yeah. Which again, this is stuff that anybody who's been around the program uh, would have already known. And it's not a, it's not an issue. It's not something that they don't take seriously. I think it's asinine to suspect otherwise, especially with all the resources they have available and how pervasive, you know, mental health issues are uh, not just for regular people, but even for, you know, these athletes who have a lot, like a lot going for them. It's not always, you know, it's not that easy for anybody. Right. So, um, you know, he's done a lot for that side of the coin and it's just always ironic to me that it just doesn't, the positives never really seem to get the publicity that the negatives do. Uh, and again, when the negatives in my opinion are, it is, it's usually like a twist of some words, uh, or like a, just kind of your typical soundbite, you know, take the, take and take one sentence out of the 50 sentences he said, you know, so I just, yeah, media is going to media with that stuff. It is July. This is about the time of the year where people go nuts uh, because the off season has been so long, not to mention with media days, there's always, I feel like a push to create stories uh, that sometimes aren't necessarily Well, but this there. isn't the, the urban Meyer thing was, it's exactly what you're talking about. He, he said right. nothing wrong. He said, yeah, there was really no, I, I don't see the, the side that people are up in arms about. And, and you're right. People took it because it was Thursday. It was a boring day. You know, the, the, the nobody really said anything. Uh, even the coaches asked about transfers, kept it, you know, kept it to vague platitudes and said, yeah, I'd like to see more. But at the same time, we don't want college football to turn into free agency. Um, I actually did like Mark D'Antonio's idea of a four-game limit after you transfer. Um, I think that's an intriguing one that I hadn't heard before that maybe could be explored. But it's, um, yeah, everyone kept it vague and boring. And so they said, okay, well, this Urban Meyer thing is blowing up. Let's extrapolate that. And so he got asked, by my count, five questions the next day on Friday in in a 48-minute segment about Urban Meyer. Actually, seven questions because he he just straight up didn't answer two of them he just looked away and <laughs> like basically said next question um so that's that's what i'm talking but but i do think i think he got a little too close a little too specific toward mental health when there's an ongoing situation again harbaugh has said and he'll, he'll i think he's going to outline it in his podcast he has he the process is out of his hands right now he doesn't get to say whether hudson is eligible or not. Now, I think he, if he advocated for it, maybe it would change the result, but that's not anything for him to do. That's kind of unprecedented in transfer situations that the his, coach. His, advo- his advocacy or lack thereof has, it would have no impact on yeah. it anyway. So there's no incentive for him to do so. Right. You know, so I mean, it's. I, it'd be a total PR move, PR move to try to do something like that at, at any point, you know. And probably not a needed one. I mean, it's right, not. Right. Yeah, it's uh probably not. We got too many other takeaways to to discuss. To um, right, no, I agree. We going. can we can uh, we can go on. I think. Okay, the next four are all football. So for our listeners who are Yay. who are curious, uh, let's let's go number two. Let's do this. Michigan was picked to 
win the Big Ten, uh, got got the players' thoughts about it, um, got got Ohio State players and Michigan State players were asked about it too. Again, people are trying to maybe drum up a story. Um, that part's not significant, but what came of it is, I feel like Michigan really, really has as much confidence as I can remember, and I think it's it's as it's as um, they're able to back it up a little bit. Like they had reasons why, because in 2016 they were like, oh, we return everybody, we're going to win all the games, um, or we're trying to, and then you know 17. It didn't didn't quite see into it the same way, but but I thought it was really interesting. You know, Harbaugh, Steve, this one this one didn't even make it to to Sunday, but you know, someone asked him about um, what he thought about being picked first. He said, "I would put us there." And Ben Bredesen said the exact same thing. Kalik Hudson said the exact same thing. And so and it was really interesting. And w- there's two main reasons why. We'll talk about those later. But I was. I was curious about the confidence. Um, they 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 all said we don't really care what the media says. We just think that we're the best team in the Big Ten and we want to back it up. Um, but yeah, they haven't been they haven't been voted first since 2012. And one thing about Big Ten media days is you get to talk to a lot of other writers, you know, that cover other teams you don't necessarily see all the time. And uh, consensus I got was that Michigan's the best team on paper. Kind of a weird thing to hear. But they're the best team on paper. The big question is just beating Ohio State. That's, I mean, that's really the one. You know, obviously they could slip up against Michigan State, Penn State, Wisconsin, Iowa. Um, certainly will all be tough games. But uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to gauge how how much you followed that. Um, but there's there's a lot of confidence. Felt like felt like the way Ben Bredesen put it. You know, very serious. Um, you know he's he's really excited. Obviously, everyone's excited, of course, but like they really believe that they can take what they did last year and just grow and just be better. And so it was, it was interesting. It just it just felt like a little bit different of a tone uh, where where Michigan is they haven't done it, but they've they've kind of become become the top dog type of type of team. Yeah, no, there's there's a lot of reasons you could pick Michigan to win it this year. I mean, they do get their two chief rivals at home. I think the schedule aspect of it plays into yeah. part of why you would have some confidence in Michigan. I think the idea that you can't pick Michigan to win the conference because they lost to Ohio State <laughs> last year is immensely stupid. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with it. You know, you have a new quarterback at Ohio State, a new coach, and now again, Again, I said this last week or a couple weeks ago. I just, I mean, to me, I think the, just, Justin Fields is the most important player in the Big Ten Conference this year. I don't even think it's close. Mm-hmm. I think Ohio State, obviously Ohio State has the talent. I don't think talent's ever the issue. It's just he hasn't started. He's never started a game. You just don't know. He, there's still some unknown there. I know he's a very highly regarded recruit. You know, he was one of the most heralded quarterback prospects to come through in a long time. Number three in the composite history. So 20 yeah. classes, number three, behind Vince right. Young and Trevor Lawrence. You know, and so there's that. But again, until you, it's, it's one of those things that until you see it, you know, it's, it's going to really be hard to know. Uh, meanwhile, you know, I, you know, Michigan has the 
they do. They have two big things on their side, in my opinion. They have a they have vast experience at quarterback and on the offensive line, and they have a, a schedule that sets up better than it normally does for them. Mm-hmm. Especially you look at, I don't think Wisconsin is going to be the same Wisconsin that we've seen. I think Wisconsin is right. one of those programs that maybe just do for maybe a temporary step back this year and they get them early enough in the year to where Wisconsin may not be, you know, like what, whoever wins that quarterback battle, whether it's cone or if they do give it to Mertz, you know, I just don't see Wisconsin. Also, I just think Penn state's a huge mystery team too. Uh, you know, we don't, again, Sean Clifford probably gonna be the starter there, another first year starter. So three of those four teams, what we would say three of the four toughest teams in the conference on their schedule will be starting a new, we'll have a first year starter at quarterback uh, you know, that alone, I think is significant. Michigan State's Michigan State. You know, I tweeted a couple weeks ago that I would, they, I think the over under has them at seven and a half. I would take the over on that for sure. Hmm. Um, people couldn't, which the response, as you would expect, uh, irrational. Uh, that was, <laughs> that was basically to me, to, to many, that was me saying that Michigan State's going to win 10 or 11 games this year. Uh, which is not what I believe. I just thought seven and a half was low, you know, meaning that eight games would mean that I'm correct. Right. Uh, and that's, <laughs> yeah. It's not really hard. You know, it's not that hard to figure out. Crazy how those numbers uh, that, work, huh? Yeah. And so I, I, you know, I do, I think they have experience at two of the two most important positions on the field. And the other thing too and again, everyone ignores that their special teams should be among the best in the country again this year. Uh, you bring back Will uh, Ray Guy finalist and Will Hart at punter. You bring back potentially two kick. You know, we'll see. We'll see that. I think the kicker battle is quietly one of the most important battles of the, of the fall camp between Moody and Nordine. I think Nordine's still a guy with a higher upside, uh, but Moody's been more consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, but either either way, though, I think if you're Michigan, that's a great problem to have. You know, so I think that, you know, they could be elite, especially, well, Peoples-Jones, too. He was the top he was the top punt returner in the Big Ten last year, yep. at least from, from an average standpoint. You know, those, those the, the field position battle uh, is, is very, very important. So I think you add, there's a lot of factors going in their direction this season. Uh, and again, but I think the two most important are having experience and talent, obviously, uh, and the offensive line and that quarterback. And again, I think the schedule is a little bit more favorable. I actually, and I've come around, I've come around to thinking, I kind of like Notre Dame in the middle of being in the middle of their schedule. Uh, yeah. I think that, I think that, you know, there's enough. Well, we talked about this last week, didn't, didn't we, that, that it can build up and it can be yeah, a big game yeah. versus like first game of the year when no one knows what anyone's ranked. To me, it'll still be a big game, but. Well, we were talking about defensive back. How you know? Yeah, Michigan yeah. There's one. Maybe yeah. a little bit, a little bit inexperienced at defensive back, but when you consider the first four or five games of their schedule, that the there'll be a we say a safe learning curve. Their quarterbacks you know, for, in September are um, brand new, first time starting quarterback from Middle Tennessee, Army's quarterback who throws less than I mean they threw for a thousand yards last year, right? Like one thousand, one thousand with a one uh right. by week either Graham Mertz or Jack Cohn in their first truly um big game start and then Rutgers yeah. 
So yeah, yeah you get you get to ease in from a from a pass defense perspective. Poor Rutgers. You don't even like say anything extra. You just say and Rutgers. Well, Arthur Sitkowski <laughs> had five. No, they had five passing touchdowns and nineteen interceptions last year. Yeah, no, it was not. It was not good. So, um, yeah. So that's where I'm at. I mean, I, I, I think yeah. It's just like this whole like you're not allowed to pick Michigan because they have not beaten Ohio State. It's just like it's so beyond stupid. Um, those are. I, mean, I will tell you two. my season prediction then. <laughs> well, no, I'm not, no, but I'm, no yeah. I'm not saying you can't pick Ohio State. I'm just saying the reasoning behind picking – like yeah. this idea that you can't pick Michigan in the preseason to win the conference uh, because of what happened last year is just – it's stupid. Well, and, um, and I know people who voted for teams that were not Michigan in, in that media poll, and that was – it was not their whole rationale. I mean they also pointed to Ohio State. They have – what eighteen more, um, four or five star recruits on their depth chart than sure. than Michigan. Like like there, there was a talent, but some of it was. Until I see them actually do it, I'm not sure. But uh, let's let's talk about one component you haven't brought up yet, and this this will cover a couple bases from like the main media day takeaways. Is I think it started to crystallize how deep the Wolverines are. Uh, this is takeaway number three for for us, and and. You heard about it. Obviously, the big one was with the quarterbacks that they're going to play. Shea Patterson and Dill McCaffrey. They're going to try to play them both in every game. I like that situation. I think you do have to be mindful. You don't want quarterbacks basing their in-play decisions based on what's the more conservative approach that's not going to get them in trouble. Like You still want a quarterback to take risks. But I, I think you have two guys who have a combined five years of college development under their belt already. And they're both future NFL draft picks, barring a sudden change, of course. Might as well use them, you know, and, and you can you can have them run the ball more, maybe take a little bit more of a beating. It's kind of like having two starting pitchers ready for game seven. Like, you know, if one, if one guy doesn't have it, swap them out. And if one guy... Um, you know, it's just really crushing it. Just, just keep them in there or have them, you know, they don't have to pitch seven innings. They can just do four. And so, you know, they, they can throw a little harder or, or, you know, be a little bit bolder. So, yeah, I like that. I, I But I think you saw it in a lot of positions. The d- defensive end, he's, he's talking about redefining what a starter is. Uh, he used that phrase for quarterbacks and offensive linemen, too. I mean, the, the right tackle position is going so well that he's saying, Runyon could move inside so that Stuber and Mayfield could both play tackle. It's all talk. We haven't seen it, but that's – I don't think he, he goes out of his way to say that unless he really feels like they have six stellar offensive linemen. And and you could say the same thing about defensive end when he's mentioning Mike Dana and and Josh Uche as, you know, as in the same breath of Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson and about how all four could try to be on the field at the same time. They just want the five best – pass rushers in some situations and so um you know and and he talked similarly about linebacker where he's mentioned Devin Gill is a summer standout and Jordan Glasgow is a summer standout Cleek Hudson is a summer standout but then there's, there's also Josh Ross and Cameron Regrone so I don't know for me this might have been a more of a, of a Zach takeaway but I it kind of crystallized how deep this team is and we've said we said in March we think this is the deepest team Michigan's had and over a decade, but 
I think it's just becoming more apparent they they're gonna they're gonna be able to you know we, we're doing our most important players countdown, but suddenly instead of you know twenty gotta have them guys, everyone you know it's there are players that if someone goes down, they are gonna have someone ready to step back up, or if, or if someone needs a to take a series off or or a few plays off, they're not it's not gonna be some grab your seat you know. Uh, white knuckle moment where you're where you're if you're a Michigan fan you're hoping that they don't mess up you know they've got they've got players who are ready that seemed that seemed really apparent to me that was one of my takeaways well you don't want another uh, not you know not trying to be negative here necessarily but you don't want another Russell Bellamy against Nebraska yeah you want to you want to develop McCaffrey yeah and you do that yeah yeah right and so you don't because that you know I think people remember that uh, you know game is uh, you talk about that's about as an epitome of how lack of depth can really hurt you uh, as it's ever going to get and yeah no doubt I mean look across the board office this is definitely this is definitely the deepest Michigan's been up front uh, that I can remember. I don't remember the last time they had this much, not just talent, but as we said uh, a few times before, this much experience too. I mean, a lot of those guys, your second teamer types, the Honigfords, the Filiagas, Spinellis has played a lot of snaps. Um, Stuber, whether he wins or not, uh, has played a lot of snaps. Mayfield got some snaps early in the season, you know, and let alone, you never know with any of these true freshmen could come in and compete right away too. I mean, that's always with the guys that they brought in. I mean, that's always a possibility as well. So, you know, they're definitely deeper up there. We talked about special teams again. I mean, you have two guys, two guys that probably be kicking for the majority of the teams in the country this year who will be yeah. battling it out in the fall. I mean, if you talk about an important position to have depth, you know, and then you talk about linebacker, like you said, I think, I think seeing a guy like, Gill, if Gill's ascension or, 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 you know, gradual improvement is a legitimate thing, I think that's massive. Same with Glasgow. Uh, to hear Glasgow as a summer standout, I think it's like a arguably a best case scenario for Michigan. Hmm. You know, and, and uh, well, just the experience, the Glasgowness of him, uh, I think is a, a really important. I think that's kind of I think that's a thing. Uh, you know, is the way his brothers were both. Uh, they finished out their Michigan careers really, really strong, right? So, well, one uh, thing I will say on Jordan, oh gosh, I, I almost said Ryan, uh, on Jordan is they moved him to the will linebacker position. I'll have a story on this, but um, I don't think they move him to the will if they don't think that there's a chance he could be one of the three best linebackers they could roll out on the field. Like, because otherwise, you know, right now he, he, he was the backup Viper. But they're going to play Kalik as much as they possibly can, so I think right. I think him moving to the will is a sign that maybe things are clicking and he is emerging and and he's going against Devin Gill, someone Harbaugh singled out as someone who's standing out. So it's right. We've heard good things about. I think there's I don't there's a Michael Barrett is also somebody who again I've been told. A few times is more of kind of what uh, the Ryan Hayes yeah. of okay. the defense sure, sure, sure. as a as a guy who probably won't make an impact this year, but that they absolutely love and think is going to be a very good player for them, you know, in the near future. Uh, that's 
again, and that's a guy who's probably running at least two, if not in the threes. You know, I mean, and, and that's that's and that, that's not speaking that that he hasn't done anything because I've said that he's the hopes are high. It just speaks to that there's there's just a lot of good. They have a lot of good players on their roster right now at those spots. And uh, yeah, there are a couple spots I think where the depth may not be fully fleshed out. Uh, we did talk about cornerback, but again, the the idea that they can't be good at cornerback this year because they haven't had a lot of experience, I think, is uh, is naive. Just in the idea that they were behind two really, really good players last year mm-hmm. in LaVert Hill and David Long. And again, I know Brandon Watson struggled against Ohio State, but all in all, he had a really good year last year as well. Uh, yeah. I still... I still, as people refuse to accept this, I still think the lack of pass rush is what really killed Michigan against Ohio State, not necessarily the coverage. Um, you know, so I think Brandon Watson was a guy that, you know, was was pretty good as well. Had a ton of experience too. You know, so it's like the Jamon Greens, the Vincent Grays. Uh, you know, these are guys that, like we said last week, we may not, we don't know what they're capable of yet. They may come out and play at a really high level. You know, and, and like you said, you know, they get a decent amount of time to kind of get their feet wet, you know, in the first quarter of the schedule, you know, and to get better heading into into the, the harder conference season and, and against Notre Dame as well. So, yeah, no doubt. I mean, this is, we haven't even said, we haven't even mentioned receiver, you know, where they lost a potential contributor in Oliver Martin, and they still, what I, are, what I would say are, are is loaded, they're loaded at receiver, I would argue you know and that's we don't even know what Tariq Black is going to give them and, and I mean that and like the idea that I definitely think he's going to give them something but I think he was the best receiver on the team when he got hurt a couple of years ago mm-hmm. so if he if he comes even close to returning to that form or that potential there then yeah they're loaded at receiver they're deep you know we got same the Saner stills another guy obviously we heard a lot about him Ronnie Bell is my sleeper for the year I think he'll get a lot of opportunities with the other, the big three that everyone wants to talk about. So, um, yeah, I mean, what running back, cornerback, and maybe the interior defensive line are spots that maybe they're not quite as deep at, yeah. as they have been. But there are also guys at every one of those spots who, you know, that's where the, some of the more important play, the Christian Turners, the Zach Charbonnets, the Donovan Cheaters, and the what say is it, we talk about Jamon Green or Jalen Kelly Powell or those guys are going to be really important and and if those guys show out then they're going to be really good this year. Introducing the Two Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Yeah, well, one thing, when you have depth and you have experience, what it puts the pressure on is your strength and conditioning. And so our fourth takeaway, a little bit of what Harbaugh had to say, a little bit of what the players had to say, but Harbaugh had this to say about Ben Herbert. And Ben Herbert, if you you haven't followed, uh, Michigan loves Ben Herbert. He's their strength and conditioning coach. He 
was at Wisconsin, a team that definitely was always driven by its fourth and fifth year players. Arkansas, I don't know enough. I just know they produce a lot of NFL draft pick offensive linemen. Um, and then he comes to Michigan, and everyone bulks up last year, but but I think year two is an intriguing one because some of the long-term plans, as you discussed, maybe, maybe not Mike Barrett because he still has one more year to do it, but some of the other players like... Oh well, now I'm now I'm blanking on the names, but but yeah, some of these players that'll be new starters this year, maybe your your Brad Hawkins types and your um, Ambry Thomas and and uh, or or you know just some other players that are Dylan McCaffrey is is one as well, and and you know Andrew Stuber. This is where that kind of comes into play, and what he had to say about uh, Ben Herbert Harbaugh. He said he's been 100% respected and loved by every single player on the team. That's rare for that to happen. He's that good. He's made that big of an impact on the team, as has his entire staff. Been phenomenal. Game-changing. The precision, too. If you went into our weight room and just saw the precision and the way the machines are set up, the precision and the way the workout is planned and organized, it really rubs off on our team. That attention to detail is always present in every single workout. Great thing for our team to learn. He's the best I've been around. Uh, I don't know. Harbaugh's going to pump up his guys. I, and when he says that... Campanelli and and Sean Nua and Sharon Moore are the best young coaches he's been around in 35 years. I'm I'm not quite biting on that, although I I do think that they have a really good coaching staff. I'll have some stories on that, but it but when he says that about Ben Herbert, and then you hear him talk about even players like Zach Charbonnet is Ben Mason like in his work ethic, and I know Kalik Hudson. Um, you know, talked about Charbonnet as well, and just kind of the the culture around the strength program, Stuber and Mayfield. I think it's significant that you know the the phrase that Harbaugh uses is stalkers in the weight room because they're just like never leaving; they're always lurking and trying to get another workout in or or get more out of it. Uh, to me, I think I think this team rallies around it, and it's starting to sound similar to me as the way Michigan basketball views Camp Sanderson. I don't think the results will always be as direct because football's a game where, um, you know, well, there's a lot of players. And so it's hard to tell, you know, like, like it's not, it's not like you're never going to see a transition like Nick Stauskas had or Karis LeVert had, but, but you'll see players get better, especially if they really rally around it like this. So I, I thought that was significant. Um, you know, one of the another one where we're not going to know for sure until o- October, really, if it was a significant thing. But second year in a row, Ben Herbert's gotten a lot of love. I think Harbaugh saying best he's been around is interesting too, because he's coached at a lot of programs that were known for their development, and he's coached in the NFL. And so, I mean, if if Ben Herbert's teaching the team how to be more attention detail oriented, in addition to the to the strength and conditioning component, um, that that helps with when you have that depth because you have guys like Ryan Hayes and Mike Bear who you could put in this program, or you know Joe Milton, or you know you could pretty much everyone who's not a senior starter <laughs> it, it gets to benefit from these strength and conditioning programs that are so so emphasized with the team. 
I mean, I didn't Ben Herbert win Employee of the Year. Oh, did he? <laughs> it was like Harbaugh. Remember Harbaugh does his like employee. Of the, I, I'm pretty sure it was Ben Herbert that won that. Um, that's not a surprise. You know, they revamped both their weight staff and their nutrition staff. I know Abigail O'Connor, the, yep. nutri- the team she nutrition. She gets a lot of praise too, yeah. A ton of praise. Uh, the players are always back and forth with her on Twitter and stuff. Sometimes it's kind of comical to watch, but, you know, it's those, those two – those two additions, I think, were significant for Michigan. I always laugh. Like I think it was, I think it was on our board. Somebody uh, bemoaning the whole all good weight, all weight gained is good weight, and all weight loss is bad weight. True. Well, that's, yeah. But it is true though. No, but they were saying it like, oh, here we go. They're more of the whole oh hype because this guy put on ten pounds. It's like that's the program. Is that's what the program is designed to do. So if they accomplish the goal of the program, then it is a positive thing, you know, and that that's, I don't know. I, I Herbert was interesting to me. I think I talked before when he was hired, I talked to Frank Ragnow, who now plays for the Detroit Lions, well, was under him or learned from him at Arkansas. And that's who I always go back to with Herbert as far as the impact he talked about. Herbert having on his, I mean, he told me that he didn't think he, this was when he was in position. Now he hadn't been drafted by Detroit at that point, but he had gotten some discussion about, you know, first or second round draft pick, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me he wouldn't be in that position without Ben Herbert, which was really surprising to hear, you know, as far as, no, I know that players spend more time with the weight staff than they usually do with the actual coaching staff throughout the year. But that's still like about as, how much more praise could you? Well, you said Ragnow even said he committed to Arkansas in part because of yes, Ben because Herbert. Yeah, he was so impressed. He was so impressed. Yeah, you know, with Herbert. And um, no, we haven't have not heard that yet, as far as like it being the reason behind a kid committing to Michigan. But I have to suspect that he has had maybe some influence. Like that's one of those factors. You know, we talk about that chart. Uh, facilities, uh, NFL production, like weight staff and weight room, like is actually one of those things I think maybe we don't talk about enough as far as being a factor hmm. uh, because because most of it and it's, it seems like it's always linemen that bring it up, but they always are the ones that talk about how this is the guy you're going to get to know the most while you're there and that relationship is really important so they want to be able to they want to have some kind of connection or feel for what that what the weight staff and what the weight program is all about so you know for for Harbaugh yeah I think to go out of your way to talk about your weight program I think is always a good thing as far as if he's talking about it publicly that must mean they're really happy about it it's different than like you said I actually agree as far as when he talks about the best with the young coaches the best he's had in 35 years I mean he's had quite a tree of assistant coaches come through you know throughout his career many of which went on to be head coaches somewhere. Uh, you know, it's like, that's just sort of more run of the mill praise. I kind of feel like, but for him to go out of his way to, to speak about Herbert like that, I think is, is significant as far as what kind of impact he's having on the program from a day to day basis. Yeah. For the record, he was asked about Ben Herbert and that was the answer he had, but, but you can tell by the way he said it, this wasn't right. a, uh, Oh, he's great. You know, great. I mean, he's saying he is one, like he's saying that it's rare to have a coach respected by that many players and things like that. So 
Um, I, I do think it's a little bit of a rallying thing. I think development's going to start to become a little bit more of an MO for Michigan, you know, because it's always been, you know, recruit really well, win a lot of games, you know, meritocracy, this, but, but, you know, to have a culture of development, you know, that's Clemson and Michigan state, I think are two teams that have that really well. Um, I'll tell you what, Mickey Mariotti at Ohio state, Scott Cochran at Alabama. I mean, those guys have both been at those programs. Like, one of the more common threads between programs who have stayed at the top or near the top are that they've had the same and an elite. They've had an elite strength coach who has been there for a really long time. You know, and so that's stuff you got to kind of keep in mind as far as, you know, the development aspect of things is it's a very real thing. It's one of those things I think it's under it's underreported and undercovered because we don't really ever get access necessarily to how guys are coming along or what you know, sort of the ins and outs of how that impact takes place necessarily. But it is a real it is a very real thing and a real aspect of, of every college football program for sure. Last takeaway, because how could we go this long? How could we do a podcast talking about Big Ten Media Days without mentioning both sides' thoughts on the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. I'm not sure how to label this takeaway, but um, Michigan's really bitter. You know, Kalik and, and Ben especially. You know, Harbaugh, Harbaugh kind of shut some of it down. I think he felt that there were more Ohio State <laughs> reporters there than he wanted. But, um, you, you know, can usually tell because they're wearing scarlet and gray. Or okay, there, or there gray. was one guy. We're not going to say his name. I can't remember his name. He wore a Ohio State 2014 National Champions hat, and he was on Big Ten Network uh, when he asked questions. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's it was uh, – <laughs> yeah, sorry, I didn't mean <laughs> sorry, to get sidetracked. <laughs> no, it's just, no, it's just – it is. That's why I, I was being honest. Like, you, you know yeah. who's covering uh, them because most of them are wearing – literally wearing Ohio State stuff. So it's whatever. Not factually true, but but not totally inaccurate either. Anyway, they, they Harbaugh, I thought, had some interesting quotes because one person said, sorry to bring up the Ohio State game again, and he said, no, that's okay. We know about it. We can talk about it. We embrace it. And then he also, later on, he talked about embracing the suck. And he said, you know, I could list a lot of the positive things from last year, but, but we don't really do that. And... um and then, you know, Ben Bredesen and Cleek Hudson, they, they just sound angry. You know, I, there were a couple times where, you know, they're talking like three years in a row, lose to Ohio State, lose the bowl game, and uh, it just really pisses you off. <laughs> like, like you know, with a straight face, not this not the cliche that everyone's, you know, just like how everyone's in the best shape of their lives right heading into fall camp, everyone's as motivated as they've ever been. Yeah, I get where the, some of that is just kind of the, the nature of being a Division One athlete and you're trying to find things that force you to work hard because you have to work hard. But it just felt like a little bit extra. Um, so so that's that's one component. The other component, finally got to, you know, Ryan Day made his first public, public appearance. Really nice guy. I, I, I joked um, with uh, with one of, another Michigan writer, like, oh, what are Michigan fans going to do if they don't hate Ohio State's coach? You know, where they just kind of respect him, and he's just nice, and it's just peaceful. But uh... they'll find a way. I mean, it'd be it'd be like that going the other. You mentioned we talk about beeline. 
Yeah. Before the show, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Ryan Day's not at that level regarding Beeline yet, but it's, but yeah, I think anyone who follows Michigan basketball and knows people that root for Michigan State or Ohio State say, oh, they're they're like, oh, I have so much respect for Beeline. <laughs> it's like, oh well, okay, interesting, interesting comparison compared to how Michigan fans feel about Tom Izzo and Mark D'Antonio and Urban Meyer and. I guess Chris Holtman's another guy that you know no one really has any any qualms with. But no, Ryan Day was really nice. Uh, he he it was interesting. They asked him you know what he wants to do about Ohio State or the Ohio State Michigan game, and he said nothing new. You know, one every year under Meyer, um, and uh, and also also mentioned he he focused on it every day. Thought it was interesting, Steve. I want to get your thoughts on this in addition to maybe what. Bredesen and Hudson had to say, but thought it was interesting. The players for Ohio State, they do an extra workout after their workout where, say, there's 300 days left before the game. They'll do a set or they'll do a circuit of different exercises where they do 300 reps. Or if it's 250 days before the game, they'll do 250 reps and and things like that. Do you... I guess, what do you think of that? Because I thought it was interesting, got to talk to Jordan Glasgow about it, and he said, we just like our regular workout to be enough. You know, we don't want to save it and do an extra workout after. We just want to do workouts. I mean, do you do you think Michigan needs to change its approach? I know Chris Partridge has talked about the blood in, blood in his mouth, uh, you know, from the game, and, and certainly, certainly there were a lot of mistakes made in that loss. Duh. But I'm I'm curious, like how, what do you think Michigan's approach to the rivalry should be? Uh, maybe that question didn't make any sense, but but I guess no, what are your thoughts I, on I, this? I I would not be surprised at all if Michigan did something that was similar. Uh, whether they talk about it or not, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something close to or along those lines. I guess that's that's pretty standard rivalry type stuff, I guess. Uh, granted, you know, the thing with Michigan is that, you know, you'd argue, I don't know so much about Notre Dame. I think it's probably close, um, but, you know, Michigan, it's a little bit, there's like, there's at least, at least two. And like I said, Notre Dame may be another where the target, the Michigan has a target on their back, a bigger target on their back for that school than anybody else does. You know, with Michigan State, who, you know, that's that's their biggest game of the year. You know, Ohio State, I don't really – I think it's just Michigan, in my opinion. Anyway, I don't know if there's anyone else for Ohio State where it even comes close necessarily. You know, with Michigan, they kind of have to face that with Michigan State and Ohio State every year. Um, like I said, and, and with Notre Dame back on the schedule, I don't know. I mean, that might just be a fan thing. I know our, our Notre Dame board uh, does not really like – our mission that they really seem to have a deep seated hatred for Michigan um, for whatever reason. And so I, I don't know. I just, I feel like that's pretty typical rivalry stuff. Again, my opinion, do you my like opinion, that Michigan kept it. If they do exercises, they denied it. Do you think that's uh, the right move for think, them? I, I think, I think they just, kind of, I would assume they just keep it in and they all keep it in house. I would guess again, I, again, maybe now I'm not guaranteeing cause I, I don't, I could, not speak factually that they do. I just feel like that's sort of typical. I don't think, and again, I think in the grand scheme of things, I don't know 
you know, Ohio State has beaten Michigan because usually because they're Better. a lot more talented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's where the biggest gap has been. It is not not, been in, like an not in care level. Yeah. I, no way. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> I laugh when people say that, and they say, well, Mich- Ohio State players care about the Michigan rivalry 365 days a year. And I'm like, the Mich- the, the, yeah, what? Just, yeah, everyone does. <laughs> if you're if you're a player on a team, I mean, you know, they don't have the countdown clock, but they have everything else. And they, they I mean, Ben Bredesen said they think about it every day. Jim Harbaugh has said that. Khalid Hudson said that. Like, yeah. If, the, if, if, if Barrett is marked short, does that mean that Michigan cared enough that year? You know, it's like, that's like, that's what I mean. It's like, that's stupid. Again, it's just dumb. Uh, or if O'Corn hits Gentry on that flag route, <laughs> where he, like, does that mean that Michigan cared more that year? You know what I mean? It's just, it's been, uh, there's a talent gap. And then, um, you know, they've had, they've had a higher volume of better players throughout their roster. And then those better players have consistently made more plays. I mean, that's really kind of what it comes down to. So no, I don't think there's any, uh, whether again, whether they do do something special or not, which again, I fully suspect that they do. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's to, but to imply that, you know, there's, if anything, if the, the care has, has continued to grow as the monkey on their back has continued to get bigger, you know, and that's, uh, you know, that's, I think the biggest thing. And, yeah. and really the challenge may be to not let it get too into your head almost. Yeah. You know, Bredesen used the phrase overextended. You don't want to be overextended yeah. with it. Yeah. Where you're so consumed by beating this one program that, you slip up against maybe a team that you shouldn't slip up. You know what I mean? Like you gotta, it's, it's all part of the process. And, um, so yeah, I don't think, I think it's, I don't think that's a big thing. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, the workout part. Yeah. It's not a big thing. I did think it was notable how much, how much Bredesen and, and Kalik and I didn't spend a ton of time with Jordan. So I can't, I can't say that he didn't spend any time talking about it. And, but Harbaugh as well, you know, they, they seem to be, they seem to be a little bit more open about the losses than in the past. Past years, I've been there, and they kind of, they would of course acknowledge and say, oh, you know, I don't want to, don't want the season to end that way, don't want our careers or our time at Michigan to end that way. I know Chase Winovich had those quotes last year, but, but I do think they're a little bit more open to the idea that they failed, whereas in the past they said, you know, just got to do better or just, you know. You know this team's going to be different. Like, like instead of that stuff, they're saying, "No, we failed, and we got to figure it out." And so, maybe more humble, maybe more um, thoughtful about it, or maybe you know, it just if it happens that many times, you do have to acknowledge it a little bit more. But thought that was interesting. Uh, we've gone on long enough. Obviously, we'll have lots of stories. I'm sorry if you are out there craving stories. My power's been out, so I haven't been able to write as much as I would like, but they'll, they'll start coming out, uh, well, hopefully tomorrow <laughs> or, or tonight, maybe a little bit too, but, um, appreciate everyone for following along. We'll come back with a podcast, maybe a little bit of recruiting, uh, certainly more team stuff as we start to head toward fall camp this time, two weeks from now, they will be practicing football for the 2019 season. So for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Check out all of our stories at themichiganinsider.com 
and michigan.247sports.com. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. See you next time. Look.